Welcome back. We're on episode 58 of Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where, well, it's going to be the big reveal today, guys, where we analyze, scrutinize, and Stonehenge wrong size the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5MinutesOfMime.com. And with us today, we have a couple of special guests. We have from the Cosmic Geppetto and Minute of Darkness podcasts, Ryan and Brad. Thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Uh, very excited to be here. We're very much looking forward to this. Likewise, yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Looking forward to it as well. Well, thanks for coming by. You picked uh, you picked a good day to join the tour. There's uh, some excitement coming up this minute. Minute 58 starts with the Stonehenge Monument being lowered onto the stage. We end with Ian defending himself for uh, the size of the <laughs> aforementioned monument. <laughs> and in between, we get uh, a little bit more of the performance of Spinal Tap doing their their big concept song, Stonehenge. So this is a continuation this is such a great minute. We got so yeah. lucky with this. We did not uh, want to make your listeners know we did not request this. We just got real lucky. And you know what? With Spinal Tap, there's so many great minutes, but a lot of it's sort of subtle. But this is like actually a big action moment and a big reveal. So we were very fortunate. Yeah, lucking out is one of our life skills. So we're I was very happy. I mean, this is one of my favorite scenes in this movie. And Seriously, when, you should see I, our wives. We luck out all the frickin' time. <laughs> Trade up, luck out, all, all, all the bases Sweet. covered. I like your attitude. Yeah, so I, I know I was just looking, you know, because the last guest that we had, we kind of left them hanging, you know. We're like, well, we're really sorry that we're going to talk all the way up. And all the way up to this, this, and then bleep, you know, it, it just, the screen goes black and they didn't get to talk about Rob, uh, Rob Kelly didn't get to talk with us about this. And then, <laughs> then kinda... you guys get to hop in yeah. and here it is like lowering. I keep looking at the first second and it's so hilarious. <laughs> and it's, it's weird the way. And this is completely accidental. I just took the movie and sliced it up one minute at a time. <laughs> but it breaks down almost exactly that. Uh, yeah, so they're just Rob got two minutes of song. He set it up for you guys. And then the very beginning of this minute, lowering from the rafters, the just the wonder that is Stonehenge. <laughs> and it's as, as we saw earlier, uh, when Ian was giving the business to the prop lady, to Angelica Houston for delivering this 18-inch high monument, he just went with it. So he, at that point, recognized that was obviously not what Nigel intended. But he kind of just, eh, fuck it. <laughs> I yeah. guess, like, you know, what, what he was thinking, we don't know exactly. But so we see the monument as it was presented being lowered and... And David sees it first, and it's you know it's behind <laughs> Nigel. Nigel's playing the mandolin. He doesn't know what's going on, and yeah, the and the the reaction we see from David is appropriate. It well, is it appropriate. Just, you know exactly what's happening. <laughs> it's this reaction on David's face. 
It just must have been like, like you know plausible deniability is like, well, listen, they ordered the Stonehenge. I gave them the Stonehenge. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and, and not wanting to have the argument ahead of time is like, listen, I'm just going to throw this out there. And I can honestly say it's like, well, I put it out there and it was what you requested. And they get into that a lot more into the next minute. But yeah, it's – he definitely – you just think he's like, hey, why don't you come up and say something? Uh, and then yeah. what, what's great is it's such a great – the descending of that, and then it almost makes you forget. It's like, by the way, they have dressed up little people dancing around it. It's like, ow! Yeah, <laughs> it, it made yeah, you can almost better. forget the uh, the little people. Yeah, I mean, were the little people on the napkin? Did I miss that, or is that like, <laughs> some, like was that a creative uh, shooting from the hip? Uh, idea someone had. I mean, like, because if it was full size, then you'd have two little people <laughs> running around like this huge monument. I mean, you'd at least want to get at least six of them, I would say, mm-hmm. to make that work. I think this so. was just the, hey, let's have little people involved in an era. I, I, I remember being younger <laughs> in the 80s and even a little bit into the early 90s, whenever there was, they would just always find a way to work little people into stuff. I, I remember, I think it was either, there was like a game show that they started like it was either monopoly the game or trump the game that they had a tv show version where they would actually have a little person in a tuxedo who who would move as a piece on the game i was like wow (laughs) oh my god (laughs) you know that reminds me and i actually i was sitting here quietly listening to what you're saying and casting my mind back to being in a band in the 90s. So this is past this 80s era. And I definitely do remember and, and we can and Sean probably has loaded in the hopper a few, you know, um, informational things about, you know, some of the about these actors here that play uh, the little people characters that that are on stage. But I do remember in the 90s being in a band and there was a person who was a uh, was and I'm assuming still is a little person in my town and the leader of the band I was in suggested that we talk with him and see if he was interested in like working up some sort of skit with us and I was like do you even know if this guy's an actor or does stuff like that <laughs> like it was totally offensive to me that he just assumed like well he's a little person <laughs> like I'm sure he wants to perform on stage with us something you know it was just really 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 tacky and 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 I mean I don't know it just gave me <laughs> I just remembered that it was a very uncomfortable situation but <laughs> that, it that was, is a wasn't weird the request. first and wasn't the last with that. There's just something about musicians weird. and little people where it's like, hey, we, we got to make this happen. I, wasn't there like a long period of time where Chris Rock had a little person who was like a hype man for him uh, during his – That sounds familiar. And it's like, I, I, okay. So and that went into the 2000s. But Chris Rock – I mean uh, Kid Rock yeah. was definitely a product of an earlier time who was just born a little too late. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. So, like, yeah, Kid Rock had a guy, and I know um, Chelsea. Uh, what's her What's her name? Did she, did she have a guy on her show? Yeah, Chelsea Handler. Yes. Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler. Okay. And uh, Manny Ramirez, when he was in Boston, had a little person who was kind of part of his posse uh, in the in the uh, in the locker room and whatnot. But uh, so you are correct, Heidi. And <laughs> I wonder if you've done a little bit of research yourself in that I do have something to say about the people who are playing and they're uh they're credited as little druid is the part that they're they're both playing and this is 
the culmination of a tease I started way back when uh, when we started this podcast, and that was the ties between This is Spinal Tap and the Star Wars universe. And if you remember, I said there were there were three actors in this movie that have ties to Star Wars. One, of course, was Harry Shearer, who did some voiceover work for, I believe it was, Imperial Officers on the Death Star in Star Wars. There's some Harry Shearer voice in that. And then in this scene, we get to see Ewoks, our two little druids, uh, during, during the 80s heyday of little people acting. Uh, so in the span of a few years, these guys did, uh, they were both Ewoks. They were also both in Under the Rainbow, mm-hmm. which uh, was a, a movie that came out in 1981 with Carrie Fisher and was sort of about the behind the scenes making of Wizard of Oz with, with and Chase. some other things. That, I, I love yes, that with movie. Chase, yeah. <laughs> oh, See, it's I've never, hilarious. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Can you guys... Talk a little oh, bit about boy. it. It's a great movie, Under the Rainbow. Well, it w- it could have been any more eighties. Aside from the fact that there's just a ton of little people in it, because like uh, like Sean said, it was about sort of a, a comedic take of behind the scenes of uh, Wizard of Oz, and there's just a lot of zany hijinks. And uh, it, it was when they were trying to turn Chevy Chase into a, a romantic leading man who also did some comedy stuff, and. Again, couldn't be any more 80s aside from little people running around and like a big weird group chasing. And the 80s part of it, and it was a PG or I think it was a PG rated movie, but they had one scene where there's a big chase. The little people are running around and chasing people and they run through a women's locker room and all the women are screaming, holding up the, the, <laughs> the curtains. And all of a sudden, for no reason, they scream and all of a sudden breasts start popping out. <laughs> and again, PG you know, movies, as they do. As yeah. and then the last scene is everyone runs out of the ladies' room, and then all of a sudden the last little person stops, turns around, basically locks the door, smiles, and all the women start screaming again. <laughs> A terrible, terrible movie that I love then because I didn't know any better. Right. Yeah. And was, and now that we know better, yeah, we still you know, love it. It's. Yeah, it's 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 somewhat and it's somewhat based in truth. So apparently during the filming of Wizard of Oz, they had a separate hotel where they put all the munchkins. And apparently if you get a bunch of little people together, they are just party animals. And I, I don't you know, I don't mean to stereotype a group of people, but from what I hear, it's it's one of those things that it's it's based in truth that these guys and women and gals, you know, they, they know how to party and that they're just crazy shenanigans went on in the hotel during the filming of Wizard of Oz. And then so in the movie, there's kind of a yeah, it's a bit of a romantic comedy. There's Chevy Chase, there's Carrie Fisher, and then there's a, like a spy subplot going on with the partying little people going on around it's it, yeah it's it's wacky it's crazy it's the 80s it's little people and it's uh yeah i would recommend it if there's anyone out there who hasn't seen it 
I am totally going to watch this movie. This is blowing my mind. I'm just checking this out right now. I mean, this is like 81. This is like peak Chevy Chase. This is when he was funny, doing cocaine. I mean, he's got like really great movies like behind him and in front of him. I mean, this is like he's kind of like really doing well for himself right here. So like it, it, I'm totally going to watch this movie. It sounds like well, a it, it was also Chevy Chase at the peak of his handsomeness. People forget because you think of old crusty Chevy Chase from Community and <laughs> but but at that early part he was young he was thin he had a good head of hair he was a good looking guy so it's <laughs> yeah. you know so they were really they tried so hard to make that happen but the movies were some of them were just dreadful <laughs> or ridiculous but it's a great movie to watch aside from the fact of this is a movie you're not going to see ever made again you know it's just sort of Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've definitely never heard of um, somebody trying to do a, a gritty <laughs> reboot of, of, of this the gritty movie. reboot of Under the Rainbow. I'd watch an animated reboot of this. Oh, that's a good idea. That sounds interesting. Just for yeah, yeah, and, and it was thing I was just going to say, Sean, that I thought was interesting too was because both of these actors have been in almost exactly the same movies mm-hmm. is that they're also in a documentary released in 2016 so an, a recent documentary called the hollywood shorties right that's yeah. about the professional dwarf basketball team from the 80s so it, it looks like it's filled with a lot of um interviews with little people of the era and um uh, that sounded really interesting too you know kind of uh Reminded me, I mean, without having seen it, it reminds me of Pistol Shrimps now, which the Pistol mm-hmm. Shrimps documentary is really fantastic too. I think I, I think I mentioned it way back in the the beginnings of this, but if I didn't, Pistol Shrimps is um, a lot of comedians and actors that um, a whole girl group of um, killer basketball players, and it's really fun. And like yeah, you mean you like killer as in they're they're good basketball players, not killer as in they don't kill people. As far as I know, they don't kill people. <laughs> but yeah, they're um some of them are really fantastic at playing basketball. I was thinking killer more as just like badass ladies, you know, yeah, like really funny and killers. really really um a great movie just showing all of their different like talents beyond Beyond the basketball court, in the basketball court, and then just camaraderie and all that good stuff that goes along with being part of a mm-hmm. team. Yeah. So so just going back, I have one more thing about Under the Rainbow I want to mention. is just that it's directed by uh, Steve Rash. So Steve Rash has directed uh, a bunch of other stuff, but he did The Buddy Holly Story. The the great, I think that Very was a great, another got great movie. nominated for an Oscar for that. Um, the great version of yeah, yeah, Gary Busey as Buddy uh, as Buddy Holly. So yeah, he did that under the rainbow. Can't buy me love, and then kind of then in the two thousands, he's got a string of like direct to home video sequels. He did American Pie presents Bandcamp, uh, Bring It On, All or Nothing, and Road Trip Beer Pong. <laughs> yeah, so there's, a, there's a triple a triple feature for you, uh, yeah. all from uh, director Steve Rash. But uh, so yeah, Southern he's got a kind of an eclectic resume there in ter- as a director. I was gonna and say, Son is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> yes, son. <laughs> uh, but so Heidi, so you mentioned uh, that our our little people here were were in that documentary Hollywood Shorties. 
Um, I'll use that to segue to a question that we uh, occasionally ask our guests when I when I remember to ask it, and that is so. Uh, Brad and Ryan, do you guys have any uh, any documentaries or rockumentaries that you would uh, recommend to our audience? Uh, yeah, yeah. First, there's Brad? a fantastic one on Paul Westerberg, who was the lead singer of The Replacements, called "Come Feel Me Tremble." And um, gosh, it's probably about mm-hmm. ten years old. So it's uh, if if you're familiar with the if you're not familiar with the replacements, just yeah. imagine the uh, the '90s, 2000s band Goo Goo Dolls, except for uh, probably about fifty percent better, but forty percent less good looking. Uh, <laughs> so obviously, much less. <laughs> I love. I'm a huge replacements fan, by the way. So. Yeah, that, that's a great um, description. And like it was Paul Westberg, and it, he was doing a solo tour. And it was just very interesting because it was a lot of just uh, handheld camera stuff and um, a lot of voiceovers and interviews. And um, it was just very cool. And Westberg isn't the most uh, interview-friendly guy. He, he's a bit of an old curmudgeon. And it is very cool to sort of get this window into his life and his behavior and seeing those every now and then little, you know, blasts of warmth that come from him. A uh, favorite scene was he's uh, was signing autographs at his bus and you could see that it was something that he knew he had to do and he was just doing it. And then someone gave him a, ba- a signed baseball bat uh, from a Minnesota player. I can't remember who. And Westerberg is a huge Minnesota uh, Brewers, uh, Minnesota baseball fan. And you just see him, he just stops and he like held the bat up to the camera and he hugged the fan, which is not a very Westerberg thing to do. But uh, really good documentary, mm. Come Feel Me Tremble. And the, the he recorded an album to support it and a really good album as well. Awesome. Thank you. That's a fantastic recommendation. I've, I am a big Replacements fan, but I have not seen that, so... That's great. We'll definitely link to that on our uh, show notes. It sounds great. I'm going to check that out as well. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Ryan, you, you have one? or Yeah, so <laughs> um, I do. Um, and, it's, and it kind of segues into like, um, my, I have a very strange relationship with um, Spinal Tap. And so you're going to have to follow me on this one. Great. Um, I'm We're with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I think we all do. Um, I'm a huge Christopher Gust fan, and um, I am I am into movies. And you know, my friends kind of recognize me as like you know, Ryan's into movies. He loves movies. And um, anytime that I would mention Christopher Gust, every, people would always ask me, "Have you seen Spinal Tap?" And I was I was slow on the ball. I, I had not seen this movie up until I would say two years ago. And yeah, (laughs) so um, the the expectations that I had for this movie were quite high. And uh, I actually didn't realize that Rob uh, Rainier had had directed it. And I'm like, Princess Bride is like top 10 most favorite movies ever, period. And um, so like I was really excited, you know, at the time. And um, when I first watched the movie, I was a I wasn't underwhelmed. I was just confused. I just <laughs> didn't know what was happening, you know? Yeah. And um, what's crazy is, I first off, to answer your question, A Mighty Wind is my recommendation. It is right. my favorite guest movie. And what's crazy about it is I knew these guys as the folksmen before oh. I knew them as Spinal Tap. <laughs> and, like, I'm watching oh. Spinal Tap, and if you can kind of, like, I don't know, put yourself in my shoes, I, it's like... 
I was a little confused, you know, and, um, but I mean, I, I kind of understood everything that was happening and I was still excited, but I, I just, you know, I was confused the first time. And then I waited, I was like, I'm going to watch this movie again. Cause I'm a, I'm a big advocate of that. So I watched it again. It was about a year later. And I was like, you know what? There is some genius here. Like I found myself like enjoying it, but it, but it still didn't kind of like rise to that expectation that I had. Last time I watched the movie was about six months ago. And that's when I kind of made my peace with the whole thing. And like, I, I was like, okay, I, I kind of get what they were going after now. And I appreciate kind of how they approached it and like how they just really just ran with it. Then I watched these two minutes. <laughs> I could not stop laughing when I watched it. <laughs> and like, I cannot wait to watch the movie again. Like, I mean, the whole Stonehenge scene, I was just doubled over at my computer. I was absolutely hysterical. I mean, it was one of my favorite parts before, but to watch it and just kind of like focus on like everyone's reactions. Um, Ian defending himself, you know, Derek offering his opinions. on it. It's just like everything. <laughs> it was just so well done. And like, um, I'm laughing about it now. So um, it was definitely an education for me. And I, and I have to thank you uh, uh, both for this. So I guess I'd say Mighty Wind is my recommendation. And that's kind of my uh, my spinal tap to, journey. To ever, you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great um, story. And I'm glad you shared it. And Julia of Mad Max Minute, she came the back way, so to speak, as well. Like she saw a Mighty Wind first and really liked it. And then then discovered this later on so, through um, Rick, I believe. So you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to, know, to hear that. Well, Brad, no, were you going to say something that, that I just to hop on to talked something that, that uh, Ryan was just saying? What's so amazing is he, you know he's talking about being a big fan of uh, Princess Bride, and I was too. And then it's a crazy thing that Rob Reiner did both those movies, and he was in. And mm-hmm. this is Final Top, Final Tap. Just start him started him off on this incredible run of movies, this eight year period where he did classic after classic after classic. This is Spinal Absolutely. Tap, Sure Thing, Stand By Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, Few Good Men. From eighty four to ninety two, he did like six or or seven movies that were all excellent and couldn't have been any different from each other. To start off with this rock mockumentary, which wasn't even a thing then. And then to go with like a teen sex comedy, like Sure Thing, and then you know the the coming of age drama Stand by Me to Princess Bride, this weird throwback swashbuckling, and then the, like one of the definitive uh, chick flicks with Harry Met Sally and a scary movie like Misery, and then a, a courtroom drama like Few Good Men, each was excellent and couldn't have been any more different. And it's just I, I don't know if any director had an eight year run like that where it wasn't just doing sort of variations on the same theme. It was, hey, let's do something completely different mm-hmm. this time than last time, and it still be brilliant. Absolutely. It is a really impressive body of work. Yeah, and, and I think even more impressive. So this, he had done, obviously, Rob Reiner had been an actor and, and done things like All in the Family, and I think he had two Emmys as an actor from from that um, he had done a couple TV movies, like literally two TV movies, and then Spinal Tap. So this is the his first full-length feature film for the cinema that he's directing. And then, you know, Stand By Me is what his third, Princess Bride is fourth, When Harry Met Sally, fifth. Like, really to not just, you know, not just a run, but a run to start his career as a director. It, it, yeah, I don't know if there's been a better run 
by by anyone at any point. I mean, maybe Hitchcock or something like that. Like you really have to go back to to find a run of of really great movies. And then when you add in, like you said, the the variety and and the inventiveness. So certainly, yes. Yeah, so this is Spinal. There was the term mockumentary had been uh, had been coined earlier, I think. And there were things like the Ruddles. Um, but nothing really quite like this. I mean, this really kind of perfected and crystallized the, the format. And then even like The Princess Bride, I don't know if there's, you know, if there were other movies that are quite that mix of it's a love story, it's fantasy, it's action, it's it's so many things. That just, the yeah, the inventiveness, the variety, and the quality. Uh yeah. So good, good stuff from and, Rob. And then Reiner, he did North, and everything fell apart, and he never got that mojo back. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I try to try house. to just put that behind me and for forget it, pretend it never happened. <laughs> but you know, that's the thing too. When you're a creative person, it's it, it's absolutely essential that you try all sorts of different things and that doesn't mean every single thing is going to land you know right right. but you just have to i I mean it's if you don't try new stuff just i mean we're doing um you know (laughs) exactly minute of darkness where we talk about the movie army of darkness and uh sam raimi's that sort of director where he's done all sorts of different films he did you know a horror movie then he sort of did army of darkness which grew from the horror movie to do more of a uh, swashbuckling, almost Princess Bride-esque swashbuckling action thing. And then he's also done baseball movies and he's done superhero movies and he's done the same thing. And not all of the films have landed and been fantastic. I would rather follow a director who sort of swings for the fences and tries something interesting or different than a director who's always going to, you know, use baseball parlance, uh, always hit a double, but it's always going to be through the exact same method. So you're always just doing the same kind of movie over and over again. Uh, the, the guy who directed the uh, mm-hmm. the second Die Hard movie, and the name is escaping me, uh, Rennie Harlan. That's what he does. He does sort of solid mm-hmm. action films, and he's done it for 20 years, and it has had a lot of success. But that's just what he does. And it's boring because he's always going to have roughly the same level of quality, and he's never going to – like shoot for that home run. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, I yeah. agree 100%. Yeah, I'm just um just since you mentioned uh, a few good men, um I know I've mentioned this podcast before, but the I was there too podcast where they talk with somebody who's been in pivotal scenes of movies, so maybe they're not the they're not usually the lead actor, but one of the mm-hmm. other folks and um Joshua Molina is a guest on one of those episodes of I Was There Too. And he his conversation with Matt Gorley about doing that movie is really super entertaining. And he's like a really funny guy. So it's a really fun, entertaining episode. And they specifically talk about what they did differently in comparison to the play. So the play version of the of that and then turning it into a movie is, is super funny so that's a good podcast i've heard episodes of that yeah i like it too so well gosh guys so we've talked about this minute a little <laughs> bit and we've talked about a few other things but yeah i like uh getting back to the minute itself like david looks like a muppet here with his mouth agape as <laughs> the big reveal happens of um <laughs> This tiny, I love too that the um, the roadie. I'm assuming that's Moke, Moke there, yeah. 
is like like what you would do, you know, as a roadie, like making sure that everything kind of lines up and you're out there to kind of help help get the <laughs> the the bit the land. But mm-hmm. he's you know he's four times as tall as the <laughs> the prop that he's and he's you know crouched around behind it, which is mm-hmm. just so hilarious because, like you're saying, Ryan, looks like. When you get when you watch this movie at a certain point and and you'd already seen a mighty wind, it's going to be a different experience. But when you then then us who saw it maybe back in the eighties or something, but when you break it down minute by minute and just see all that goes into this, like him crouching down behind <laughs> it, which doesn't do anything. It's, it's so good. It's all gold here. Like I mean, everyone's facial react, everyone's reactions to the Stonehenge model are just fantastic. And like even Ian's, like it 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 shows him off stage, and he's just got this look on his face, like, "Yep, that's that's what I did." Yeah, just uh, going for everything's per plan. And it's even like Nigel cracks me up when he recites the opening lines. Like I kind of see Nigel as like the artist in this movie. Like he's the one that like takes takes everything like really seriously, you know. And uh, you know he can be can come off as kind of somber or anything, but you know he's going to go out there, he's going to perform, and he recites the lines, and then he starts playing it. Was it a mandolin? And then he just kind of yeah, turns yeah. around and look on his face. It's just like you know, he's like son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is just such a does such a great job yeah, of serving, so then, encapsulating all the charm of this movie. Where there's the big broad joke where you see like the mini Stonehenge. It's ridiculous. It's hilarious, and you have little people dancing around it. It's ridiculous and it's hilarious. But then there's like the subtle humor of just the expressions of you have these three incredible actors: Michael McKean, Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, are amazing actors, and just see like the look of horror, a resignation, defeat, and all these things just coming out at the same time when they're like, oh my god, this is my life. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at Harry Shearer right now, and I'm, you know, I'm usually looking at the two um, little people dancing, and they're like, you know, hitting each other, they're hitting it, they're, they're almost, I mean, they're doing their damnedest, but they're, it's such an awkward thing to try to maneuver around this, and, and uh, Harry Shearer, like, points at them, which I've never noticed before, is like, looking off stage, like, what the fuck is this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. Um, so, not to try to speed us along, but is there anything else about the stage section of this before we move on to um, the last 24 seconds of this minute? Um, I really like how seriously the little people are taking it because everyone else on stage did not know what was happening, but they came to do their job and they're doing their job and they're really (laughs) playing into it. And like, I just, you know, they really, they did, they came to play. Yeah, a, a totally. gig's a gig. <laughs> and I imagine they didn't know that they would be dancing around an 18, 18 inch high monument of Stonehenge. But yeah, you have a feeling if you're if you're a little person that's hired to dress They're, up like dress up like this and dance on stage, this is probably not the most ridiculous thing they've been hired to do. No <laughs> kidding. Yeah, yeah. Very good point. <laughs> so yeah, then we move on to. Someone who's not credited, as far as I can tell, this woman who looks like, I don't know, like Nancy Spungen, kind of, maybe helping a nodding off Mick into his chair. (laughs) Uh, Her cigarette. Yeah, he looks 
zoned out and she looks like she's kind of helping him in and then that's it like that's that's all we see of her yeah and then we flash over to to david and janine and they're they're none too happy with ian oh god david's delivery in this it's just like he's like so mad and he's he's finally saying he's just really laying it out and it's just like how he how he explains he's like you know i for one do not think that the problem was the van was down. <laughs> His debt, like he totally delivers the line, and you know it's just oh god, it was so funny. Uh, understate the hugeness of the object. It's been a while since I've seen this, and it's like oh my god, how young was Michael McKean? Oh and god. he was young, and he was thin, and yeah. uh, you know when you think of Michael, Michael McKean's work Dude. so consistently, and has been able to going from. God, Laverne is the Lenny is the Lenny and Squiggy to being in SNL in the '90s and to doing some of the the really great work that he's done for Comedy Central with the uh, was it the Jiminy Glick show with Martin Short. He did some really funny work on that, and he's just consistently mm-hmm. worked because he's such an impressive yeah. comedic talent. And to see him at this like freeze frame at this one particular time was like, and it's also I'm far enough removed from. Laverne and Shirley, where when I see him, that is no longer the first thought. It's like him walking in and saying, hello. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, now yeah. I was just so just last night watching Better oh, Call yeah. Saul, where he plays Chuck McGill, and it's a completely different a different type of show, a different character, uh, you know, and and obviously he's playing a much older character because he's a much older actor than he was here. Um, in Spinal Tap, but yeah, the range that he's able to cover is uh, is awe inspiring. Yeah, and this this is a good scene. This is so I think David's really good, and this is a really good Derek scene. We oh, get man. some really good lines with good <laughs> with great delivery. You know, in particular for, from and there's there's some stuff next minute, but in this minute, Ian's response to to David is, "I think you're making you know much too big a thing out of it," and then that comeback. You know, the big thing out of Derek it is spot on. He's like making a big thing out of it would have been a good idea. And he said, like, <laughs> you could, if you're just watching this movie, like I never noticed that line before. And I was like, that's hysterical. And then what makes it even funnier is in the next minute, he totally contradicts himself. Like he offers up like, <laughs> yeah. totally like, a, like this other opinion that's like totally it's dumb. <laughs> it's just, just full circle back to like classic Derek. But anyway, I'll save that. But yeah, it was a great line that I, I never love. Characters who are idiots, idiots, idiots have that minute of brilliance and then go back to being idiots. It's like, well, what, what the hell just happened there? <laughs> <laughs> and I guess this brings up one of my questions. I had it. I, I want to put it to you guys because you certainly know more about this movie than I do. How much of this was improvised? Like, Almost pretty much all of it. Okay. Cause, yeah. yeah, there's a shooting outline, but it really doesn't have, I almost said lyrics. Obviously, they pre <laughs> the lyrics, but it doesn't have dialogue. Okay. Yeah, so what they outlined is obviously the, the performance of what happens there, and then there's a scene where the band is, um, you know, is upset and is yelling at Ian, and kind of, yeah, generally where the scene's going to go that that David and Janine are going to suggest that she take over some of, of Ian's duties that's you know that's in the outline but in terms of the specific uh specific lines or dialogue 
that that's all improvised. Now they did do multiple takes of these scenes. Okay. So things might have developed over time where like they picked out a line and said, okay, you know, say that again next time. They might have done stuff like that. But at least but all the all almost all this stuff originates as they're doing it on the fly. Yeah, I mean, like, I could sense that magic, because, I mean, like, I know that's kind of common with, you know, other rockumentaries or, you know, mockumentaries, but, like, I mean, you really kind of tell, like, a lot of the scenes, like, man, that that was beautiful. That had to have been improvised, and I kept <laughs> saying that uh, last time I had seen the movie, so I, I was just curious. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, it gets confusing <laughs> fast. Is there anything else that's just absolutely essential to um, this minute, or can we move along and um, have you guys back for the I, I next minute? I think I've said all I had to say. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I, I am as well. I think we've done we've done good job with uh, with minute fifty eight here. Awesome. Okay, so well, we hope you've all enjoyed hanging out with us for minute fifty eight of Spinal Tap minute. And we hope everybody comes back. We've actually got Brad and Ryan coming back for the next episode so we can continue on this exploration of Spinal Tap (laughs) (laughs) Um, tomorrow. And you can find us and... uh, you can um, connect to us in all different ways through our website, which is SpinalTapMinute.com. And uh, so, Brad and Ryan, if folks want to hear more from you and in your podcasting well, goodness, the, uh, where can they find you? <laughs> the the Mothership away, Show is uh, the Cosmic Chippetto yeah. Podcast. is a weekly pop culture show where we talk about movies, music, comics, whatever we feel like. Uh, and then uh, Ryan and I do the daily minute of darkness podcast um uh, well the cosmic geppetto doc podcast go to cosmic and you can find it on itunes stitcher wherever quality podcasts are found same as the minute of darkness podcast where we do a minute by minute over analysis of the 1992 classic army of darkness and uh <laughs> the website for that is minute of darkness.com uh it's a lot of fun we've had some great guests on including sean uh, it was, uh, he was awesome. It was so much fun. We had such a great time. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Sam Raimi. I'm a big fan of, of army of darkness and Bruce Campbell. And I am a fan of what you guys are doing with the movie as well. And I, I would disagree only in that it's not over analysis at all. I think it's the exact appropriate level of analysis that a great movie like that deserves. And, and you guys do a good job of it. So, oh, uh, thank you. So yeah, I would recommend that to uh, to our listeners when you're done with uh, with Spinal Tap in here with us. Head on over and, and check out the Minute of Darkness. And then come on back to us tomorrow where we will continue with Minute 59. But until next time, and so say all of us, Tap, tap into, into America! America.